we've spoken a little bit about the model. It'll be interesting to see how it goes in 2021. I suspect, I suspect you're going to spoil a lot of parties. Um, excuse, excuse the pun. Um, but I think the other thing to ask would just be, what's the progress looking like? You know, a few weeks ago, you now announced that you want to go this route. You'll probably have some insight on how are the, what's the quality of the candidates you're getting? What's the, what's the number of candidates you think you might be getting? Are you getting an insight into the scale of this first attempt in this first election and what that might look like in, in 2021? I think what's been really encouraging for me is that when you look at the electoral map, you begin to see that there were actually municipalities that were ready to be taken over. Hmm. They just didn't have the overarching, because, you know, the success of big parties is that they've got the machinery, so they know. Hmm. And when people don't feel they've got an alternative, the machinery then becomes powerful. Yeah. Whereas now, when people feel like, actually, we could build a strong machinery, that we're now starting to look at municipalities who are in that space, who are mm. available for change. Mm. And so mm. that, for me, one of the things that since our announcement has become positive, as I hear from communities who are saying, we are ready to fully utilize this vehicle so mm. that we can bring the change in our own communities as we'd like. So, mm. so to me, that's been deeply encouraging. And, um, and, and I think one of the other reasons that I think the moment is right now is that I think uh, sensible people are realizing that political parties are being discredited. It, it, it doesn't matter which way you look and there are 50 odd political parties. So, so you then have to eventually stop saying, well, how many more do we need? you know, because it can become exhausting for people that every other month there's a new political party state starting competing for attention. And whereas we, we're almost compelled just by virtue of the crowded field to say, we've got to find another way to deal with the 17 million who are not voting. So so for me, the, the attraction has been good. Um, and like, the road to success it was never straightforward. At the same time is that we're also conscious of vulnerabilities where you can get a candidate who has been kicked out of their own political party suddenly thinking, this is an opportunity for me to not only stick it back to my political party, but to really make sure this thing doesn't succeed by, you know, match fixing, if I could use that yeah, analogy. Yeah. So, so I think that there are risks. I'm not naive to those, but we've got, we've got work to do in verification. I'm proud to say that I began the process myself. And so I hold with me my proudest certificate, which is a police clearance certificate, <laughs> which, ah, <wow. laughs> which states that, that, that uh, I have no criminal record against me. So. Well, that already puts you ahead of a lot of, a lot of the field. So yeah, congrats. <laughs> so I think we cool. can do more and more cool. of this kind of stuff by making sure we check people. They're not the mm. ethical leaders and mm. legally above scrutiny you know mm, mm. no definitely you know i'm really i'm really interested to see how it works i'm sure you have you know troubleshooted even more than some of the people who've, who've interviewed you i can think of various problems or, or various challenges as i'm sure you can but i'd rather watch how it plays out than than say what about this what about that because for me the beauty of this experiment is going to be in the in the execution 
and and then when the challenges arise it'll be an opportunity for you to say these are our principles if you deviate this is the action we're going to take and and you can use it almost as a as an opportunity to demonstrate your principles rather than imagine there won't be challenges so it's going to be fun it's going to be very fun uh i wonder what 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 that results that results night will will look like and again i think it's like one thing i i, I hate about what political parties do is they always say like oh we're definitely going to get 100% of the votes this election right and like everyone knows you're not going to do that right but even if you can say look we're going to we're going to do well in these 10 municipalities and that's going to give us the platform then you've already said i'm not lying to you about like the ambitions but this is what we want to do now and this is where we're going to go you know that's that would that just be such an interesting di different message already we we've certainly because i'm i'm alive to the fact that you know when we talk about resource like i'm i'm less worried sometimes about even just the money component mm. i'm just conscious of just getting the best people component because yeah. you know local government if i'm not mistaken we've got over 2000 wards or something to that to that effect you know to try and get 2000 ward candidates mm. in a short space of time would be like like it's just crazy yeah, yeah. You, you're not you're not going to be able to get that right but if you're able to conceivably say we're going to target makana mm. the uh, 20 wards this is what the pr vote looks like sure. and what's great about local government is that often it's far less ideological than national politics mm. it's about let's make sure the pipes are fixed the mm. electricity is there and the water is running and the streets are well made and rates and taxes are collected you, you could really see that given the right competence and skills base you could get through that the other big advantage is that then no one can then in that instance easily capture the state right because mm -hmm. capturing the state 101 is getting the right officials in the right positions now defining what the right official is as a bunch of independents becomes that much harder so you mm -hmm. have to then free up the municipality to actually run a, pro a professional bureaucracy not a political bureaucracy. Mm. And I, so I think to me, just that shake up alone in a municipality is important because I can tell you my experience in my post-governing Joburg, Chwane, uh, yeah. NMB, you learn very quickly how get the right people in the bureaucracy because you, know, you need them to be aligned. That alone begins to undermine your ability to actually drive professionalism and get the best mm. people working. Mm. Well, uh, I'd certainly like to chat to you after the election to see how you how you think things went, and um, you know the the journey to twenty twenty four will also be very interesting. So, look forward to that. Um, I also just wanted to pick your brain on a few broader questions because one of the interesting things you've taken up is speaking about African politics more generally than just South African politics and. You've been particularly vocal on the situation in Uganda at the moment with uh, extreme intimidation and essentially 
violent house arrest of Bobby Wine, who competed there. Uh, our government has been silent, although suddenly they now have a voice on the situation in Myanmar. Um, what's going on there? Why is our government so silent about the abuses of human rights going on and coddling liberation movements still in 2021? Um, that's been my big frustration. You know, there are many failures of this current government. I think foreign policy is about one of the greatest ones, hmm. mainly because of its departure on two areas, which is trade, economic trade. I don't think we've championed that as well as we could have. And secondly, the defense of human rights as it intersects with what uh, liberation movements does. And, and funny enough, this is a different scenario. You know, I was in Senegal with the leadership there they took a completely different uh, road when the former president of the Gambia, yes, the Gambia is a small country, but was refusing to uh, you know, surrender power. The whole East region got together and said, we're gonna act and if we need to take decisive action against this particular leadership, we're gonna do it. And I was quite impressed with the ECOWAS region for being able to do that. Whereas I find just north of our border in Zimbabwe, human rights abuses are happening all the time. You've got journalists being arrested. It seems like our government is totally silent on this issue. You know, the Malawian election had to be rerun. Our government didn't say anything. It seems um, in Tanzania, I was there, you know, there the government shoots the leader of the opposition and our government is silent on these issues. So I, I, I just think we've lost our African relationships. I think we, we've really created a crony political system and the African Union eventually just becomes this club of old men. And lastly, I think we've not failed to maximize our assets. So we've got 1.2 projectively in 2040, 1.2 billion citizens. Africa still has minerals that are globally required. And we seem to be perpetuating old extractive capital, capitalist models of literally taking our goods outside the continent and letting them come back into the continent at a much higher price and value and to the detriment of Africa's economies. So I think if we don't soon enough realize the assets that we have, realize the partnerships that we have globally and how Africa must be able to respond in that platform. I think South Africa more specifically has really relegated its role. And I'll never forget for as long as I live, I had a meeting with President Koroma uh, and I sat down with, with him, I said to him, how you find South Africa? And at the time, South Africa were lobbying for the permanent seat in the um, UN Security Council. Yeah. And I thought his response was the most startling of the lot. He simply described South Africa as not interested, let alone consciously going, we, we oppose or we're for, mm. just not interested. And I think to me, South Africa, post the chairmanship of President Ramaphosa as the chair of the African Union, has done a fairly disastrous job about making sure that we uphold human rights, we build um, an Africa that is future looking 
and maximize the assets. We are, I, I think, I, I honestly and I sincerely say it, the next decade is for Africa's to win. Yeah, we have it. We have it all to do. And would you continue to call on President Ramaphosa to condemn um, the situation with Bobby Wine, for example, right now? It's common cause, right? Like if he, if if, if he himself cannot see what uh, Museveni is doing there, those elections can are far from free and fair. And secondly. You know, treating the presidential candidate in that manner, in this instance, silence does mean consent. What the president is in fact indicating is that it can happen here in South Africa and we shouldn't be bothered about it. Hmm. And, and I think to me, uh, I will. I, there's a part of me that's partly given up on the NC and its leadership being able to make camp. a pronouncement on, on Africa. But... Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, is that they have the role? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, fact, that yeah. Bobby Wine has mm. to go to the U.S. to seek refuge about something happening in their continent. You, mm. you can say all you like about Mugabe's chairmanship of the African Union. At least he used it for something. And. I, I battle to understand that our president seems to be interested in holding the position, but I'm not sure he advances anything as an outcome of the position. Absolutely. Well, to round off, let's stay on the theme of of presidents doing interesting things, because we recently saw President Zuma uh, effectively defy the State Capture Commission and the Constitutional Court by uh, essentially refusing to appear before the commission to answer various questions. What's your reaction to that? Look, I mean, I can only reflect on our democratic period. I know many people try and and bring an equivalence between saying apartheid governments and why it was declared and all of that. And I use that Mm -hmm. as a pretext to my response because, you know, President Mandela was compelled to go to court, if I'm not mistaken, was found against in the court of law to say he was in violation of the constitution. And he had mm. to establish that same question was put to him. Do you appear in court or not? And to someone who takes an oath to say, I will defend the constitution of the Republic and all its related laws, I thought President Mandela set the gold standard and off he went and subjected himself to the courts. Mm. Now, President Zuma, if he takes a stance that says he's not going to follow that example, one, he's already setting an example to all citizens to say he mustn't go. No one, none of us, you and I should never ever go to court. Frankly, you then take the sting out of the court of law. Secondly, I think there again, you know, this is not one where President Ramaphosa can sit on his hands. This is one where he has to either pronounce whether are we going to have a moment upon which we're going to take action against someone who says they are not going to obey the laws of the Republic. You know, anyone who says that, there is no status. Our constitution is written in such a way that we all afford equal rights. And the very triumph of apartheid was that everybody was equal before the law. If Jacob Zuma tries to undermine that, not only is he undermining all the freedoms, but he's undoing the very essence of the rule of law 
and I think for President Ramaphosa, if he wants to keep stability in the country, this is an opportunity to demonstrate it in the surest way imaginable. A failure to do that uh, would literally send this country into a state upon which the rule of law is irrelevant. I happen to hold the view that the State Capture Commission is a bit like the ANC's divorce proceedings. We are all observers of a party tearing itself apart and everybody saying, you know, he cheated on us, this one did this one, this one did that. Mm. So I think naturally, the prosecution mustn't just sit only with President Zuma. I think all former heads of state and current ones must appear before the commission to be able to give testimony and evidence. So President Mbeki must appear, President Mutlante must appear, and President Ramaphosa must appear. And I think it's not about, that doesn't necessarily stand as a position to defend Jacob Zuma. That is a, that is a statement of saying, state capture was a policy position of the ANC, not an event of corruption. Corruption mm -hmm. happened as an outcome of that. But the policy position was that let's go and capture all the levers of state which is expressed in the National Democratic Revolution. And therefore, naturally, I think all presidents who have held office must account for what that meant in their tenure. Well, Dr. Maimane, uh, let's leave it at, on, on that lit note. Uh, comment down below if you agree. Um, share your comments and thoughts on this fascinating conversation. Really looking forward to engaging with you down below. And um, just to say thanks so much again for gracing SMWX and you never walk alone. Yeah, you'll never, you'll never. And I see there's another club that's starting to show up and they are making noise. But they, fortunately, they only stayed top of the table for a few days. I mean... I didn't realize you could win the league in, in January, hey? but apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so but hey, no, absolutely. Congrats to them for their league victory. <laughs> Thanks, Puti. Yeah. <laughs>